I was in a form of ecstasy and nirvana. I was celibate for seven years. Hyperreality simulations puts a person into a flow state, which is a hyper state of presence. Really helping makers and independent brands land their products onto retailer shelves, not the targets or anthropologies of the world, but these small brick and mortar stores. The gardening community is incredibly tight knit and we love to share success stories and failure stories. We love to show our scars. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show that's all about entrepreneurism, innovation, and the intellectual property that helps it flourish. Boy, did we have amazing guests. You just heard a little bit from them. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property attorney. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. I do the marketing for Gearhart Law, an intellectual property firm that focuses on patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Tonight, we have a very special guest, Katie Chinakas, who has done so much in the entertainment field, it will amaze you. She's been an artist, actor, stand-up, comedian, producer, director, and the list goes on and on. So we're really looking forward to speaking with her. And we have three incredible presenters. Are you ready to jump off a cliff? <laughs> well, <laughs> Sometimes James, I feel like it. Yeah. James Jensen with Limitless Flight can help you do it in a very safe way. <laughs> it's really cool what he has. And then we have Flourish Market with Emily Gray. Are you ready to flourish? I will let her explain. And finally, Lynn Eichenbaum with Garden Sleeves. This is such a cool product and great for any gardener, anybody that works outside. Uh, perfect gift. I can't wait to hear from all of them. But before we do that, we have to go to a favorite segment of all of our listeners, IP in the news. And so what do we have on the table tonight? We have, we have laughter. That's always good. So actually, that was fake laughter. We don't have anybody in the studio, but we are going to talk about the man who invented fake laughter. And a long time ago, and I guess it really is a long time ago, back in the 50s and 60s, they used to tape television programs in New York in front of live audiences. And when the industry moved to Hollywood, it was decided that they weren't going to have live audiences anymore. And so this brilliant man, Charlie Douglas, came up with the laugh track machine. And they actually called it the Laugh Box. And he got a patent on it in 1963, but it included reels of laughter that he spliced out of shows. And then depending on what kind of effect he wanted, he could press a button on the machine and it would play this tape and the laughter would occur and have the sound of laughter in the background. Well, so, I just used my phone for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's interesting, though, how television productions frequently use laugh tracks to make their programs sound funnier. And I guess there's just something in the human brain that wants to laugh when they hear other people laughing. Well, sometimes I'm like, who is laughing at that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so without a laugh track, lots of times I make jokes and everybody's just sits there's kind of stone faced. So I want to hear what the rest of the people here think about this. I'm ready to go, too. It's time for Richard's Roundtable. And we'd love to hear from our guests about this, the patent, or really any topics about intellectual property. So Katie, welcome to the show. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, what I've seen over the past decade when I see live audiences and I'll see the, the person going like this to the people to like laugh but then they'll also have the laugh pad too. So they'll do both. There is definitely like, for example, if you watch Big Bang Theory, it's full of laugh track stuff. And so the tradition continues, I guess. And I guess it adds to the entertainment value of the program, right? Right. But I bet his patent has expired. Yeah, it's Other expired. people are making the money. Yeah. James, what are you? Oh, thoughts? I mean, I think just looking at all of the stuff that I'm doing, I think it's brilliant that they did file a patent on that technology that would induce laughter in other people. And that's all based on probably like psychological triggers and things like that. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. And there's a lot of stuff that we have at our disposal now, technology like this, where we can create experiences, we can create scenarios that would allow a person to enjoy something or to have a heightened emotional state in a particular experience. And I think that's just kind of cool. And that's 
those were some of probably the founding things with media and entertainment was, hey, we, we found that if we play this laugh track that everybody else will laugh. And I think it's brilliant. There's something about being in an audience. It's different to watch a movie in a theater than it is to watch it on your television at home, right? This is the theory behind that, I guess. So Emily, what are your thoughts? Well, Katie, you made me think of going to live tapings of different shows I've been a part of over the years. And you got to really give it up for the hype men and women who get those real sounds of laughter or cheers going before the show. They're the real VIPs. But it also made me think of when Dancing with the Stars came back. They were one of the first shows to come back during the pandemic. They had no audience. And I remember watching it just because I'm like, how are they going to do this? And the show opens with Tyra Banks walking forward with just tons of cheering coming from (laughs) and I remember feeling so uncomfortable and so cringy but also so happy that someone showed up trying to figure this out because we still needed entertainment we still needed to hear the fun and the cheers and the laughter to really have the experience to kind of like build that bridge from what used to be to what is the now able to offer that's really interesting point you sort of wonder you know audiences can be unpredictable at times right so if you're working on a project and the writers think something is going to be good, but in real life, you don't have the opportunity to refine it. So if you're in the theater, for example, you get to test the lines and you get to tune it because it's done over time, but you really don't have that luxury if you're taping content. So I think this kind of evens out the playing field a little bit. So Lynn, what are your thoughts? Well, I started off my career before I became an inventor. I was actually a stage manager on The View and many other uh, ABC television shows. And there's always an audience warm-up person who hypes up the audience and gets them really excited and, you know, just gets the energy up. And that is so important because, like you said, laughter is infectious. And if you're going in with the right mentality at the beginning, it's going to make the actors so much more uh, vivid and excited and the performance is going to be much better. And I know you guys were talking about Carol Burnett. I'm just telling you, you did not need a laugh track when Harvey Corman and Tim Conway were on. <laughs> <laughs> it was so darn funny when uh, you know, Tim Conway would be the old man and you know, kind of shuffling. I mean, that was so funny. So I think just sometimes you need it and sometimes you don't. <laughs> So Kenya, what have you got to say about all this stuff? I agree with Lynn. I think like, especially when it came to Lucille Ball, like she was so sporadically funny. I can't imagine like having to use a laugh track with her. But what makes me really interested about this innovation is it really has set the benchmark for like how things move forward. So I think about the virtual reality space, a lot of things that are going on there in terms of like just creating these experiences, making them feel live for people. Like it's this invention plus all these extra moving parts. Just so interesting, like how things evolve over time and like where we are as a society. It's great because the point of entertainment, as opposed to infotainment or some other types of communication, is for people to have a good time, right? And so anything you can do to enhance that experience is positive for everybody. And we need to take a commercial break, but we'll be right back with more Passage to Profit right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application, Application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at g e a r h a r t l a w.com. Together. We can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We just had a fascinating discussion about laugh tracks, and I don't remember having a discussion like that on this program. First time for everything. I guess there is. You never know what you're going to get with Passage to Profit, but tonight we do know what we're going to get. Katie Chinakas, and she has just been all over the place in media and movies and directing and poetry and 
Bitcoin. And so how we're going to pull all this together is anybody's guess. But welcome to the show, Katie. So how did you get started in your career? Well, I mean, that's a big question. We could go so many different areas, but I guess, um, you know, growing up Greek Orthodox Christian gave me my family roots and everything starts with your roots. So my family immigrated from Europe and then I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. My parents grew up in Detroit, but then the riots were happening and they moved out of Detroit and you know, I was grown up into a society where everyone has their circumstances. And I just felt like a bird in a cage having to break out. And I was an empath and the HSP, a highly sensitive person. And I didn't know the language of empath or HSP when I was a child, but I felt a lot like a baby screaming and you just don't have the language, right? Until you hear a song or until you, we all feel the same thing and we're connected. So I had these emotions and I felt things more than other people. And I would observe and I was just an observer and a great actor is a great observer. Same thing for an artist. So I would observe all these things and I felt so much and I didn't have the language for it. And so I knew I had to to get out of where I wanted to live and make other people feel good. I wanted to make other people laugh. So I, I just need to ask you a question. You were talking sure. about how being an actor requires great observance. What are you looking at? What are the things that you're observing? Not only am I observing, for example, you know, blue suit, floral scarf just the physicalities of how one is moving if someone's listening if they're tuned in if they're shaking their head yes if they're looking away if they're actually listening because being an actor it's it's one thing is is saying 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 and the other side a lot of times when casting directors and directors are looking on the tapes when the other person's lines come they're like a deer in headlights because there's no life going on because they're thinking about what doesn't exist the future they're thinking about you know their next lines so they're not actually in the moment of being here right now and also it's the subtle energies of the silence and the intelligence of the silence that's unspoken is is what i really attune to because i use my body intelligence i feel the most wow that's amazing and i agree with you i think there's a lot to be said for good pausing creating that silence helps create attention and it allows people to catch up with you. So those are really magnificent points. So what was your first professional role? My first role was amazing CSI New York with Gary Sinise and the Greek actor who's, you know, who's on the show as well. They go to my church, actually, St. Sophia's. <laughs> but um, I was really cool working with Gary Sinise because I was on set working with him and in between takes, because you do like the wides, the mediums, the close-ups, the reversals. And we're so like face-to-face -face for like 14 hours, six hours, working a long time together. And he was just like, you're a very soulful actor. And I just remembered him saying that. And I just, I've had that nugget with me since 2005. So that was pretty amazing working with him and the whole crew on CSI New York. So Katie, there are so many things we can talk about, but you have been yeah. an artist, actor, stand-up comedian, producer, director, musician, voiceover artist, industry coach, spoken word podcaster, published author, NFT artist. What was your favorite thing to do? I think my favorite thing out of everything, I love poetry. I love poetry. I love language, the sound, the vibration, the intentionality of our words, like what comes up for us, what we send to other human beings. You know, it's such an important responsibility, us as humans, of what we say, how we say it and how it affects and make an impact on others. So that really moves me a lot. Of course, I have to say one other thing, which is painting, because it's, I love all the different colors. And there's that whole language of, you know, being an artist and painting too. I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Could you recite a short poem of yours for our audience? Okay, let's see. Here, here's one. Here's one I got. Because, you know, I take poetry and I put in some music. So it goes pure Lights, what I radiate. You know how I gravitate. Higher powers on collaborate. So we meditate. Going nonstop. Then repeat the mantra. I don't see the lower levels. All my homies on top. Yeah. Higher forms going where the light is warm. What you fighting for? There's a fire that's inside us pure. Try igniting yours. You can be your own prophecy. Everything in harmony. This is our philosophy. Yeah. What? That was totally <laughs> All right. Cool. So Kenya, I'm sure you've got something to say here. Well, Katie's got bars, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. What would you say has been your hardest scene to act out? 
a scene that was really difficult and it was weird because it wasn't a movie or a TV show. Samuel Bear, he did the Cranberries, Nirvana, Team Spirit. He was like the biggest music video director and he went on to feature films. But he directed me in Pink's Who Knew Music Video. And it's like, whoa, like has insane. Like the way he directed me though, you know, it was just like very specific and intricate of, you know, cause I was dealing with a boyfriend who was a heroin addict and he loved me, but he just loved the drugs more. And I, I had to make the choice to leave him. It was very difficult to do <laughs> in the scene and the character, you know, when I was working on that project with Samuel Bear, that was, it was pretty difficult. And but he gave a lot of range for me to, you know, and we found it together, but it, it took a lot cause it's pink story and it's based off a true story of pink. So I wanted to be authentic to her and get the, the beats right and the emotions right and, and everything to tell that story for another artist who I greatly admire. You were talking about being an NFT artist. We were wondering if you could kind of explain that. It's a lot to unpack, but we'll try to keep it very simple and basic. But um, I've been in the space since 2018 with NFTs. It was very, very cool. I was brought in early. I DJ. And so I was DJing these house parties in Hollywood Hills. I was DJing these dope parties downtown. All these blockchains were raising all these funds. Blockchain is like this new technology out yeah. there. It's kind of like in the back, in the, in the gold rush, people went to California to actually mine and dig for gold underground physical and now we're in an evolved emotional state and process in life where people are mining digitally with your brains and with technology instead of physically mining, people are doing it through the blockchain, you know, and, and it that way. Katie Chinaka, amazing to have you on the show. And you are such a high level thinker. And it's no wonder that you can handle so many different projects at one time. It doesn't surprise me one bit. You're a special talent. This is Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W Com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Time for Power Move. Kenya, who is on the chopping block today? <laughs> so for Power Move, we're going to be talking about DJ Khaled. If you don't know who he is and you've been under a rock, he's a Grammy award-winning rapper. He's a producer and he's teamed up with the Reef Technologies to create another wing. I don't know if you heard his phrase, another one. Well, he's created another wing, which is going to offer ready to order wings via jet ski. And he modeled. This, yeah, he modeled this after the ghost kitchen concept that took off during the pandemic. So if you're not familiar with the ghost kitchen, it's basically a delivery only restaurant model that exploded during quarantine. And he's launched with 150 kitchens in five countries. Right. And you can get ready to order chicken wings via jet ski. Well, how cool it would be to get your food by jet ski. That just sounds like awesome to me. Fireside. There you go. Chicken wings. So yes, so Fireside. So Fireside is my startup. It's a video directory of small businesses. And I spent quarantine interviewing people on Zoom. And right now I'm working on the back end of it. So I just joined a peer advisory board because it's kind of like coaching, except you meet once a month with other business owners that are in the same spot you are, and everybody holds each other accountable. And there are higher level coaches that you work with, but I kind of stalled because of a number of different reasons. I've been pretty busy with the law firm and other things too, but. Yeah, so, she's burning the candle at both ends. That's for sure. And the holidays are coming up, but I'm starting it next month. So I'm pretty excited about this. I think everybody needs a coach. 
And I just hadn't had one yet. And I think this I try is- to coach her. She doesn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, well, yeah, we coach each to, other. I, I listen to you. She gives me more business advice than vice versa. So he came up with a really good idea while we we're traveling. So guess who gets to write the patent application? So they'll throw that in my lap, too. But anyway, with all this other stuff going on, I do need somebody that's going to hold me accountable and put my feet to the fire. And so I'm joining this business advisory peer group. That's pretty exciting for me because I haven't done that before. And I really do need a business coach. We all benefit from coaches. I've certainly had my share and it's a good way to get a lot of different perspectives on what you're doing. That's for sure. So now, are you ready to take a leap, but a safe leap? <laughs> So James Jensen with Limitless Flight. This is just so cool. I can hardly wait to do this. Please, James, tell us all about it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Jump is uh, brought to you by Limitless Flight, and it is a wingsuit flying experience. I like to ask people if they've ever had a dream of flying. And of course, everybody says absolutely. And then they explain this amazing experience that they have in their dream of flight. Imagine being able to fulfill that like right now. And you know, what would it take for you to do this? Is it even possible for you to do this? Really unavailable for the majority of people on the planet. There's probably 800 to 1000 people a year that and it fluctuates between that because it's extremely dangerous. And uh, how many people actually survive? That's the other <laughs> follow-up question there. That's why I'm saying is the number fluctuates every year. It doesn't go up. <laughs> it fluctuates, which is, which is kind of sad. You know, my friend, uh, Marshall Miller, he's, uh, you know, he's done over 10,000 jumps. He's also helping on this project to make sure that it's authentic as possible. But jump makes it possible. I did this in my last venture with The Void. It was a walking virtual reality simulation. We had several locations worldwide. And we had a partnership with Disney and Sony. And it was a virtual hyper-reality simulation you walk around in. And I wanted to take this the next step and really emphasize what this means. And we looked at what are the most impactful experiences that you can have. And I love the conversation we had earlier, the conversation I was listening to about experiences and what creates you. And if you think about who you are this very moment, you're the equivalent of the experiences you've had to date. And so what if in virtual and hyper-reality simulations, you could curate an experience that gave you a different perspective when you were younger. And you knew that it would give you that different perspective because of the data and analytics that we collected through that. So if you look at what Jump is, it is absolutely an amazing flying experience where you get to experience something that's not obtainable, cost you thousands of dollars, and you have to risk your life to jump off of a cliff. You picked the flying squirrel model, basically, you know, the jumpsuit, jumping off the thing. You did that because that was the most extreme experience that you could think of, right? It's in virtual reality, kind of, right? So, right. It's in virtual reality that you were looking for the max experience that you could find for somebody, right? Absolutely. And one of the reasons why I chose that is when I created the void, I was doing that for entertainment's sake alone. It was amazing. You could go in and fight Darth Vader in Star Wars. It was awesome. But what I found, what which was a byproduct was what I actually found was hyper-reality simulations puts a person into a flow state, which is a hyper state of presence. The technology alone did this and people would come out with the experience almost reborn or everything was new again. I had adults go in one side and 17, 16 year old kids came out the other side and everything was new. And I was like, what is going on inside of this? This is a place on the planet that we have now in technology where we have a person's hundred percent attention. We have them in flow state and we can teach them things at a very deep level And through an experience uh, where I would say you step up to the edge and you're faced with a fear barrier and you have the opportunity to jump past that fear barrier and land and celebrate that you did something life-threatening and you succeeded, you could say that you could compare that to a lot of different things in the person's life. That's what I'm really excited about with what this technology could bring to the world. So you put on this outfit. And you do a jump, but you're only two feet off the ground or something, right? Yes, you are. You put on a real wingsuit. It's made by the same company, Squirrel, that makes real wingsuits. And you step up to the edge and it's the ultimate trust fall. You don't know that you are going to be suspended or what happens inside of the experience. All that is kind of an illusion, but you step up to the edge and you have to jump off and you fall and you eventually start flying. And then you figure out that you have control of this flight and you can fly anywhere you want. And then at the end, you pull your parachute and you land in safety. All in the real world, if everything tragically went wrong, you would probably fall a foot and a half and bruise your knee. 
but there's no real risk. That's the <laughs> incredible thing in this experience. You can step up to the edge of what looks like death and say to yourself, all of the fear that I'm experiencing is completely 100% artificial and I can work past that. Ultimate mind game. I, I will say definitely, but the experience always turns out well. So no matter how always. inexperienced, <laughs> okay, you're, you, yeah, you don't I mean, have the, the virtual, the virtual crash into the mountain uh, simulation <laughs> yeah. part, right? Since we're in a virtual world, we can manipulate physics. We can put on the training wheels. You know, everybody has a great experience the first time. So it just boggles the mind. What if we were able to capture every single difficult experience and put it in a virtual reality test like this. You know, from my perspective, this is the new education system. It's experiential learning through hyper-reality simulations. And it's in a way a little bit like exposure therapy, but what is the new education system? How do you create creators and how do you create people that can have critical thinking and bring new concepts into reality? It's there's a big shift that's happening in education. And this is, from my perspective, this is the future. I like to use a quote from the Matrix where Neo touches the back of the couch and uh, Morpheus is on the other side and he says, is this real? And Morpheus is like, well, what is real? If real is what you can see or hear or feel, then real is just electrical impulses in your brain. I've never wingsuit jumped in my life. I've never even parachuted out of an airplane, but I have a memory of wingsuit and base jumping, even though I've never done it before because of the simulation that I've created. That's amazing. It just goes to show you how much your mind controls everything. So do you see this going like where a man could experience pregnancy with it? <laughs> <laughs> or child. I don't know about that kind of thing. <laughs> but, Wouldn't that uh, be awesome? Yeah, so, I don't know. So. But it is interesting. There are so many possibilities and even right. just simpler experiences. They don't need to be complex. You know, one of the things that separates normal performing people to, you know, advanced performance is the fear barrier, the fear of failing, mm -hmm. the fear of not achieving what you're going to do. And so people just don't do it. They, they literally don't try. And so giving them an experience to allow them to go through that process and see success. I think, I mean, the hypothesis is you could create some great experiences for people They could learn faster, but the technology that I think is going to go throughout the next few years and we'll really discover what the possibilities are. I can hardly wait to try this. This is just amazing. And I do think that it's going to be very therapeutic. And I do think it's a new way of learning without the mind blocks that we all have, right? And if somebody could create like a virtual cheeseburger eating machine, I would be <laughs> totally down for that. You could eat without the calories. You, you can eat without the calories. There you go. experiencing eating, but you're still hungry. <laughs> anyway, where can people find you when it's ready and they want to go sign up? Yeah, you can follow us. Uh, it's jump at Limitless Flight on most of the social channels. And then you can go to limitlessflight.com and you can see the latest there. Sign up for our newsletter and then just follow us on Instagram. We have a lot of live feed stuff coming for uh, Twitter and all of those channels. And so stay tuned. It's, it's all coming here. It's going to be location based. So uh, we're going to be spreading out locations worldwide uh, next year and following years. And, and you'll see us soon. Excellent. Well, we Thank you, James Jensen. So listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit, where we truly do bring you the latest in innovation. I would say that's pretty <laughs> cutting edge. Today. Yeah. So we are on WR710 and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a toz.com inventing a to z.com email me lisa at inventing a to z.com treat yourself to a day chock full of networking education music shopping and fun go to my website inventing a toz.com now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart if you missed the beginning of our show and you want to hear some of the most innovative things going on in the world right now you need to go back and listen to our podcast which will be out tomorrow on all the major podcast platforms and like us on our podcast and go to our youtube channel you can see what everybody looks like it's 
kind of fun. But right now we are going to- <laughs> Usually you say we're all good looking is what you well, say. Well, we are. Well, they are. I mean, they're good looking. We always get good looking people on this show. I don't- You I'm just not want people throw to look at us. That's all. No, I don't. <laughs> Thank goodness for some of these filters on these recording devices now. <laughs> anyway, next up is Emily Gray. She has emilygrayco.com. She has Flourish Market. She's a small business coach. She's really approaching things in a very innovative new way. So I'll let her explain. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me. What a crew here. So fun to be in everyone's company. We're having such a good time. Uh, so yes, uh, I'm the founder and owner of the Flourish Market, which was my first entrepreneurial baby. We just celebrated our six-year anniversary and the Flourish Market is a women's and gifts boutique based in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, but we do a ton of online business. So we've really grown our e-commerce over the past three years. I'm an ex-investment banker. So I did a lot of back office support around communications and change management. And it was during my time in corporate that I launched this behind the scenes service to nonprofits and social enterprises, doing the skill set I had honed in corporate of like helping people win people over to new ideas. And so serve behind the scenes with nonprofits and social enterprises, saw really cool small brands all over the world and right here in the US doing really neat things, but they were the best kept secret. They weren't on retail shelves. They couldn't compete with SEO. And so at the age of 30, I quit my corporate job and launched a fashion truck. I spent $8,000. I exchanged $8,000 of cash in a sketchy bank parking lot and bought an old uniform delivery truck. And that was July of 2015 and October 2015 launched what is now my brick and mortar store. But for the first year, I was a fashion truck. I wanted to be very risk averse and we're in a 3,500 square foot facility today. We do about half of our sales online. Within the first three years of doing business, we grew to over a million in sales just based on the principle that people actually wanted to use their purchasing power for good. They wanted to know about these small brands. They wanted to know about the brand in Ethiopia, which their bags are made by women who are crushing the stigma of HIV and AIDS in their small communities. They wanted to support women walking through survival from abuse, going through addiction programs right in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was cool to see people kind of it click with them of, oh, someone actually makes my products, who's making them, and can I steward my money in a way that makes a positive impact? So yeah, that's how it all started. Uh, today, you mentioned my website, emilygrayco.com. So I actually spent the last two years, about 60% of my time in my days coaching these small brands, these small business owners, bringing them a retail perspective. So really helping makers and independent brands land their products onto retailer shelves, not the targets or anthropologies of the world, but the bread and butter across America and Europe, which are these small brick and mortar stores and don't believe anything people say about their dying. We're not. So I love, love, love innovation, which I know is what this podcast is all about. And I don't want people to be the best kept seekers. I want to help them bring it to market. Well, I love it. You know what? One of my favorite things on vacation is to go into stores just like yours. Like I don't right? want to go, right. I don't want to go into a target when I'm visiting another city. Right. I want to find something new and different. That's so cool. And I've really modeled what I do here in Raleigh through my business. And then what I do through the wholesale way, which is my coaching program for makers and brand owners from what I've seen work abroad. You know, I think people walk into my store and their first reaction might be, oh, I'm going to help poor people. I mean, I'll just put words to that. There is such a complex that we've learned, you know, that we know everything. Other people who might be at different socioeconomic levels than us, um, maybe know less. And that's actually not true. And so as I've traveled the world, traveled in America and sat with these local leaders who've usually been impacted by the same thing, the people that make the goods of their brand have been impacted by, it's been interesting to hear part of their kind of, and, and James, you were talking about this too, but getting past that fear and part of their healing journey has been being in community with people who get it, who've walked similar paths and just how much that's grown them as people. And then they've launched these incredible businesses together. And so I find that entrepreneurship can be lonely, especially entrepreneurs in the ethical social enterprise space. Yes, we're seeing it in the trend reports. I'm a big economic stork, having investment banking as my background. I, I love it. I dork out over trends. And so it's been exciting, especially as the pandemic hit, to see that consumers are actually being more mindful of their purchases. And yet these founders, these innovators, 
these folks like really in the trenches, they feel very lonely. And so that I really wanted to round everyone up that's doing all these good things, be able to get them to see that they're not alone in their struggles and their very unique principles they're sticking to when they don't have access to things that are ethically made to go into their products. What do you do, right? What do you do? Do you buy something that's unethically made or not? And just bringing those discussions together, having that support system and really there is, I searched the internet far and wide and there's such limited information for founders of these independent brands on how to get their things onto retailers' shelves. There's it's, basically it none. And so very, very true. it's very been, true. yeah, it's just such a niche, right? And so there's people that will tell you how to land in the targets, how to land, how to do Amazon, how to land in these huge retailers. But at the end of the day, brick and mortar stores, they're um, less risk averse. Sometimes makers have to put their brand at risk to go all in on a PO from a big brand and then it gets dropped for whatever reason. And so I really specialize in working with those folks to help them scale at a smaller, at a, at a more like structured rate. That's yeah. great. Kenya, so, so do you have a question or comment? Yeah. yeah. So when you're helping to like build and formulate those brand wholesaler relationships, like what's good for the brand and like what's good for the wholesaler and what do they look for on both ends of the spectrum? Kenya, I love this question. The answer to this has actually changed during the pandemic. It's totally shifted. So there's been a couple of changes from a retailer's perspective of what we now expect from brands and brands need to shift to make sure they can keep up, get new accounts and keep up with their existing accounts. So one of the things retailers, we shifted to smaller, smarter, more frequent buying decisions. That's because we have PTSD from getting stuck with a ton of things in the pandemic. We're still not sure what consumers want. You know, the, we reopened as a nation this past summer. And so it was like, all right, the joy of gathering is the big economic trend. People are going to buy dresses and things to gather and plates for gathering people. But now then a new variant came. And so we're buying smaller orders. So brands need to drop their minimum opening order to very low because they just need to get their foot in the door. And we'll probably reorder from them again in a couple of weeks, but they can no longer do an opening order of $2,000. I'm really saying one 50 to 300. Just get your foot in the door, let things sell and we'll reorder. And I try to keep my eyes on my own paper. And I tell my other retailer buddies and brands to keep your eyes on your own paper, which is actually listening to your customers. I can't compete with Amazon on price. We can kind of keep up with them on shipping. My shipping team's amazing. We are not, none of our products are on Amazon. We don't sell products that are on Amazon, but I can beat Amazon every time on in-store customer experience, online customer service experience. We don't have a chat box or anything like that. And so that's the way we are going to continue to compete in the future is offering, like Elizabeth was saying, when she travels, she wants to go into these stores. We know our customers, when their dog dies, we send them a gift. When they have a baby, we send them a gift. We are very um, in tune with our customers and Amazon can never take that away from me. So we'll just continue to pivot, ride that wave of also people caring about who's behind their purchases. That is why I'm very passionate about working with brand owners to let them know the other options that are out there because they'll hear from a lot of their friends that you need to get on Amazon. That's the only way. And they'll look at the percentages, but I am very big on saying, Hey, let's think about wholesale. In fact, this is interesting. This was announced yesterday. Fair F A I R E.com. Um, they are like the nation's and world's biggest wholesale platform. They announced yesterday their series G fundraising and it totaled $400 million now valuing them at $12.4 billion. And that showed me that industry insiders they see the future of retail through actual independent brick and mortar stores because FAIR sells to independent brick and mortar stores. So I'm always looking at investments as what will shift in the future because a lot of brands are hitting a ceiling in customers through their direct to consumers. They're getting on Amazon. Amazon can change things. There's other outlets they're pursuing where they lose a lot of control. And so I love seeing this Series G investment analysis because it tells me again that those insiders are saying brick and mortar is here to stay. We're investing in it and we'll actually think it will increase. That focus has been on e-commerce, but I think it's coming back to brick and mortar. This sounds like a wonderful store. Where is it in North Carolina? Is it in Raleigh, did you say? In Raleigh, North Carolina. If you guys are online shops, amazing. Visit theflourishmarket.com. It's $2.95 flat rate shipping. Do all your holiday shipping through us. You can, we'll handwrite the note you leave at checkout. We represent over 200 brands, all of which drive positive change. Your purchasing power is real. Please visit us online. What a great way to wrap up this segment. Absolutely. Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart 
on WOR 710, the voice of New York. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A. A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. If you missed anything, it's on our podcast tomorrow. It's on our YouTube channel. But we have one more incredible innovator left. I love this product. If you go to YouTube, you can see a picture of her with all her product behind her. This is Lynn Eichenbaum with Garden Sleeves. Tell us all about it, Lynn. Oh, I will. Thank you so much, Elizabeth and Richard, for having me on. So my name is Lynn Eichenbaum. I came up with the glove sleeve combination called Garden Sleeves. So you can garden in the heat without having to change into a hot long sleeve shirt. Because face it, we don't change into long sleeves. We get hot when we garden outside. And there's so many people who are very, very sensitive on their arms, myself included. And especially women and men as they get older and their skin gets more brittle, when you're reaching into the plants, you're reaching into the desert grass or doing anything outside with regard to yard work, your arms are very susceptible to poison ivy, to scratches, to mosquito bites, dirt, the sun, stinging nettles, all of that. So I just wanted a glove sleeve combination so I wouldn't have to change into that hot long sleeve shirt. So my brainchild became the garden sleeve. And it's 100% cotton sleeve attached to a nitrile dipped water resistant glove, which is incredibly durable, really, really good for picking thistle and uh, other, you know, pokey pointy things. It's got a very comfortable elastic band that secures it over your bicep. And I'll tell you, my days became very, very filled as I became a sort of a self-made seamstress. My kids were really into competitive Irish dancing when they were younger, you know, with the wigs and the big dresses. And our dance school actually needed a seamstress. And I'm a very type A personality. I had never sewn anything before, but I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to teach myself how to sew. So I volunteered. I bought an expensive sewing machine. I did YouTube videos, taught myself how to sew. And the first day I pulled apart one of those $2,000 Irish dance dresses, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is wow. happening? What am I going to do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, through a lot of trial and error, I sort of became a self-taught seamstress. And it was easier for me then to come up with a prototype because I didn't have to outsource it to a company or research a company overseas or, you know, down south to make the prototype for me. I was able to do that for myself. And I loved it. So I made the prototype and I gardened with it and it protected my arms through it right in the laundry when I was done and absolutely adored it. And I had done extensive research on Amazon, on all sorts of gardening sites to see if anything like this existed. And the fact that it didn't, the only thing that was very close was a sleeve that was more industrial. It was a 13 gauge polyester Kevlar and it was very hot. It just wasn't conducive for something you would want to put on and wear outside because it was just too darn hot. Well, Lynn, so, you are yeah. the you you yeah. are the absolute consummate inventor. And yeah. I admire yeah. your resourcefulness in pulling all of this together, learning how to sew ripping apart a $2,000 dress and coming up with this product. What I like about it a lot is you have so many different fabric designs. You have them for men, you have them for women, but also there are many ticks here. So that's the one thing we really have to be careful about in our backyard. So this would definitely, the fact that it kind of seals with this elastic at the top, 
right and onto the glove at the bottom would keep the ticks off of your arms while you're digging around in the woods in our backyard and stuff. So I love the designs that you have. So you have men's, women's, do you have them for kids yet? I do. So I have them for everybody. My website is mygardensleeves.com. I have mainly women. I have to be honest, I sell mostly 10 to one women to men. So I offer to the women first and foremost, size nine, which is one size fits most. I can customize the glove if there are women with larger hands or with smaller hands. Uh, for children, I usually actually use the end of my bolts. You know, if I have fabric left over, I'll whip up a couple kids' sleeves. And this is really a mom and pop business venture right now. You know, I have five sewing machines in my house and we, I brought two friends on board with me and we are churning them out. I brought them to the Philadelphia Flower and Garden Show, which was held at FDR Park in Philly this past June, they had the foresight to move it from the convention center outdoors because of COVID. And I single-handedly sold 750 pairs in nine days. Wow. It was oh. phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> you know, I have to say, you say it takes, it takes a community. Well, the gardening community is incredibly tight-knit and we love to share success stories and failure stories. We love to show our scars and talk about how we got them. And I learned so much just from talking to master gardeners and other people. Going to shows for me is like a focus group. So are these in brick and mortar stores anywhere? I do have them in a few brick and mortar stores in New Jersey. I'm also in a Blooming Hills Lavender Shop in Virginia. I just recently was invited into Smith's Hardware down in Eunice, Louisiana, which is really exciting. So oh, I'm no. starting to spread, which is wonderful. So I'm starting to spread out across the country. And it was great because through networking, I actually found the National Lawn and Garden Show that I'm going to be going to. And they have to have at least five brick and mortars. And then I present in front of them and they see if they're interested in carrying me. So we're really, really excited about this year. Well, yeah, because I just heard about this really cool store down in Raleigh. <laughs> I, I'm like, Lynn, every oh garden store needs your product. At, like these would go so fast for them. I, You'd really be a great partner to them and help them be successful. I have to say, I was listening to what Emily was saying and I'm like, this is a match made in heaven. That happens a lot on Passage to Profit, yeah. a lot of yeah, good so, matches. So, so Katie, Katie, what are you, what are your thoughts? So my question is, can you put, you said mention, just throw them in the laundry. Can you put that rubber in the dryer? No, not in the dryer. Nitrile is fully machine washable. So the whole glove, the whole piece can come off. It goes right in the washer and you should hang them dry. And the nice thing is if you happen to brush up against the poison ivy plant, urushiol is the oil that tends to get stuck on things. And if you don't wash off the urushiol, you'll get reinfected. So the nice thing about my gloves, about my garden sleeves is that the whole thing can go in the wash. So if you happen to brush up against it, it gets washed off and then the glove is clear. Wow, that's Beautiful. really great. So Lynn, how do you plan to scale the production? That is such a great question. So yeah, I am at a crossroads right now. So I'm looking at two options. The one option would be to have completely outsource and have them made either, I'd rather not have them made overseas. I'd rather find a manufacturer here in the States because that's very important to me. So having somebody do that, as opposed to me bringing 10 machines, you know, sewing machines in and having all the rest of the stay-at-home moms in Bellmead, New Jersey, come and do it out of my basement. The other option would be to license my patent. And that's always a possibility. If another manufacturer who's already established wants to license my patent, I would get a royalty and they would take care of the manufacturing, the uh, advertising, the marketing and all of that. So where can people buy these? MyGardenSleeves.com? MyGardenSleeves.com, Elizabeth. And I've got all the styles and everything on there. Okay. And they make an excellent gift. So listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit. This has been full of innovations and new ways of doing things. It's been amazing. You can hear it on our podcast, which is be out tomorrow on all the major podcast sites or go to our YouTube channel. And then you can see Lynn's 
garden sleeves hanging up behind her. So anyway, we'll be right back after this message. You're listening to WOR 710. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. This has been an incredibly innovative show. I I, I feel completely innovative. I feel inspired. Yeah, and so many different ways. So we had Katie Chinakis, who is a performer and has just done a number of things, but is also on the cutting edge of technology with things like NFT and how artists get paid and really kind of a movement to change the world a little bit. And then Kenya Gibson did her power move. So Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com. Kenya Gibson, iHeartMedia.com. She was actually the brains that created this show. It was her idea. What made her do that, we'll never know. (laughs) Anyway, so if you have any marketing or branding needs or want to get on the radio or do advertising, talk to Kenya. Yeah, Gerhardt Law uses iHeart Digital Services. We've been using them for three years and they're great. And then we had James Jensen with LimitlessFlight.com. So if you have fears, if you want to play with your psyche, if you want to really conquer these fears, look for LimitlessFlight.com. It's coming out next year and it's just going to be an incredible experience for everybody. It's the wave of the future. I can hardly wait. Yeah, fall for miles without actually crashing. Without actually falling, but you feel like it's just very cool. And then Emily Gray, Flourish Market, www.theflourishmarket.com. She is helping small inventors with consumer products get their products in front of people through her website and her brick and mortar store. Really cool stuff. From all over the world and bringing social purpose to commercialism. And then if you're a gardener or know a gardener, Lynn Eichenbaum with Garden Sleeves by Nompi. And you can find them at mygardensleeves.com. These are so cool. Sleeves with rubber gloves at the end that go all the way up almost to your shoulder. And you can go out in the garden. You can get poison ivy on them and you can wash them. And it's all gone. And it's all gone. Katie, do you have any final words for our audience before we leave? Yeah, I'm inspired in multiple ways. And just remember to play and be curious and make a great impact. And we can do that by having a lot of fun playing and being curious and sharing stories like this and connecting as a collective. Kenya. So I'm just sitting back and thinking about like all the elements from this conversation today. And if I had to narrow it down to three things, I would say innovation, fear and freedom, right? All the things that make a great entrepreneur and make a great creator. And I just loved hearing your story, Katie. You know, I love what Emily's doing for brands in the wholesale space. And Lynn, I think you're so creative and innovative in terms of what you're doing to solve the problems of gardeners. Great way to just kind of bring everything together and full circle for all the creators and the entrepreneurs out there. Thank you so much, Kenya. And we also like to mention that we'll be back next week with another episode of Passage to Profit. We'd also like to thank our team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program coordinator, Chatterboss, our video editor, and the whole iHeart team. So this is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart, Passage to Profit on iHeart Radio, WOR 710, the voice of New York. <laughs> <laughs>